Night Dog, walking you to the ballot box. You remember the conversation we had last week on electric vehicles in South Africa? Well, it's, it's an expensive product, a really expensive product that's almost exclusively uh, to the excess of well-off South Africans, upper middle class to rich South Africans, because it's insanely expensive. If you were to buy a, if you were to take any electric vehicle and if you were to, to buy its petrol or diesel vehicle equivalent, it's much cheaper in, in, in some instances. I was looking at uh, the Volvo uh, XC60, uh, which is a SUV, and it's 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 a, a relatively high-end SUV, and its retail price, the regular Volvo uh, XC60, its retail price is around seven hundred fifty thousand rand, eight hundred thousand rand, I think. Its electric vehicle equivalent, same model, just an electric vehicle, somewhere around one point two to one point two and a half to one point three million rand. That's a price difference of what, three and a half, almost 400,000 rand. It's a significant difference. I could be getting the exact figures wrong right now, but, but that's uh, the difference in scale that we're looking at. Why is that the case? Uh, and how do we bring those costs down to make it to reach some sort of parity? In fact, electric vehicles should even be cheaper, given that mechanically it's made up of less components. It requires less to build an electric vehicle effectively. The real cost of it is mostly the battery technology, which is still largely globally expensive, right? Uh, but the expense of that, a lot of motoring experts argue, should not uh, shoot the lights out uh, to the extent that it becomes uh, unaffordable if you compare it to its petrol or diesel vehicle equivalent. And all of it has to do with policies, very specifically trade policy. And hopefully we can drill down to it. And we're now going to be speaking uh, in this conversation to Gayla Montmessant-Claire, who's a senior economist trade and industri- at, uh, at, at TIPS, which is the Trade and Industrial Policy Strategies. TIPS serves to some degree as an advisory body uh, to government, in particular to the Minister of Trade, Industry and Competition, Ibrahim Patel. Gayla, good evening. Thank you so much for your time. Really do appreciate it. Hi, good evening. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, let's take this conversation very slow. Um, Many of us aren't economists or economic specialists, so we're going to have to comb through each component um, very, very slowly. We'll start with the most basic question. Why, through the impact of trade policy, through the impact uh, of industrial policy, and perhaps even to some degree, uh, we can talk about competition policy. I don't know to what extent that involves itself here. Through the impact of those uh, apparatus, why are electric vehicles significantly more expensive than their petrol and diesel vehicle equivalents? So I think there's there's a number of there's a number of dynamics here. Um, of course, we must first look at the total cost of ownership of vehicles, and you know on that basis. So you buy the vehicle, then you Operate it, you fuel it, you maintain it, you know. Uh, and over the lifespan of the vehicle, um, electric vehicles are already cheaper, okay, than than um, petrol cars or, yeah. or diesel cars. What's still the problem is the purchasing cost, so the yeah. upfront, the upfront payment. That in that case, then of course, electric vehicles are still <clears throat> are still more expensive. And, and that's true. That's true. That's true worldwide. Um, 
how it's how it's compensated, of course, in in some of the major markets, which are the EU um, and and China primarily globally, um, is through a system of subsidies, effectively either direct or, or indirect subsidies, um, which obviously we do not we do not have here. Um, in in our case, um, there's there's two two compounding factors. Um, one is that we are not making electric vehicles in South Africa. So they are all um, pretty much imported. We have very marginal production of, of some hybrid vehicles at the moment, but by and large, the vehicles are imported. Uh, and, and those really target the, the high end of the market, uh, as you indicated. And on top of that, it's true that there, um, there is a, a tariff that yeah. is higher uh, for certain uh, electric vehicles. So for full-on battery um, electric vehicles imported for Euro- from Europe, um, they do fetch a, a higher tariff of 25% uh, compared to 18% for all other vehicles. So it is, it is a problem, but it is a problem that's really focused on, on battery electric vehicles uh, from, from Europe. So your hybrid vehicles would be the same as as petrol and, and diesel, and any battery vehicle imported from anywhere else but Europe would be would be the same in terms of tariff. But it is still an anomaly that we need to resolve. But the biggest problem is that we don't have a mechanism in South Africa to reduce that upfront cost, uh, and that's what we find in in all the economies that uh, that have seen significantly uh, or significant growth in electric vehicles. Yeah. Uh, a lot of what manufacturers are saying is that the the import tariffs and the um, overall taxes uh, imposed on electric vehicles makes it near unaffordable to import into South Africa en masse. Um, that means that we have within our, our tools of, of, of economics the ability to make and design certain concessions that will make it cheaper. Why are we not? Do you know why we're not doing that? Well, there's a number of dynamics. I mean, again, um, certainly, of course, it's a it's an opportunity cost from the fiscus. You know, if you're going to put money towards electric vehicles, you know, it's money that you you can't put somewhere else. Um, but I, I would argue it. But I mean, it's, it's not really money spent; it's just money not gained, right? Well, the tariff one is, is definitely something that has to be done. Um, I think that's that's a, that's a no-brainer. Um, but then, I guess the question is, you know, are we prepared to put some sort of some sort of sweetener on the table um, to to really kind of incentivize the sales? Uh, and, and that is a that is a fiscal discussion that that's a bit harder. Although, they what, what makes that conversation that. hard? Uh, well, you know. The automotive industry in South Africa and and that's also globally does receive a, quite a large amount of support already uh, in terms of the production of vehicles and you know it is an important industry in the country. Um, so it is true that it is always difficult when you know we're entering discussion and say well we need to provide further support to the industry because now we have to shift to electric vehicles. And, you know, there's, there's always some resistance in the system uh, by, by a number of stakeholders who say, well, you know, there's already a lot of subsidies going into, uh, going into that industry. 
Um, but but I think it is it is a critical discussion that we that we need to ask. Uh, the Minister of, of Trade and Industry and Competition, uh, Mr. Patel, has now indicated that at first the, the focus from the DTIC, from the Department of Trade and Industry and Competition, will be on supporting production rather than consumption. What does what does that mean? So that means that um, we now have quite a lot of support towards the production of, of vehicles, towards the you know the, the original equipment manufacturers and yeah. main manufacturers. There's currently seven of them in the country, and they they get quite a lot of support to manufacture vehicles in South Africa. But us as as consumers, we, we don't we don't get any any benefit. Okay, um, if you obviously if you buy a vehicle that's made locally, it's generally a bit better in terms of price competitiveness, but that's about it. You know? uh, and uh, that's the focus that effectively the DTIC wants to also carry on, is to support those manufacturers to start producing electric cars uh, domestically. Um, and the department has indicated that it, it's not very keen to, to look at supporting consumers um, to, to buy electric cars. And and in my mind, um, we need both. Mm. We need both. Um, why do we need both? Well, we need both because if we look at the vehicles that are produced in South Africa by our, our seven uh, you know, manufacturers, well, depending on the year, uh, it's roughly you know, a maximum of two-thirds, uh, but generally a little bit less, but two-thirds of the vehicles are exported primarily to the EU and to the UK. And then the remaining third are, are, are sold locally. So our manufacturers depend on both markets. You know, they need to sell overseas and they need to sell locally. And, and they can't afford to choose you know, that market. They can't just do a certain model for Europe and another for, for South Africa. This is not the way it works. So. We need those two markets to work a bit in tandem. And what we're seeing in Europe and in the UK is that there's a very aggressive transition now towards electric vehicles. Yeah. Um, so pretty much we start making electric vehicles very soon, within the next 10 years, or we're going to lose our main market, our main client. Um, but for that to be viable, um, we need to start seeing some, some domestic sales as well. You know? and, and, and so that's why we need to have a dual strategy that so, looks at the production so and the consumption. The approach of incentivizing manufacturers and not consumers mm. uh, seems, as am I understanding you correct, it is to hopefully BMW says, well, we're going to come and produce our electric vehicle, manufacture our electric vehicles at our South African manufacturing plant. Um, that sometimes we assume translates into more manufacturing productivity, more employment, uh, and, and, and has a trickle-down uh, gross domestic product effect. Uh, is that what the minister is aiming to achieve? Instead of BMW saying, look, we'll manufacture it in Japan and Germany and America and we'll just import it to South Africa. Um, is, is, that, is that what they're trying to incentivize? Uh, less of it being imported, more of it, being manufactured locally by these international, multinational manufacturers? 
Yeah, I think in, in, in a nutshell, that's really that's really the, the, the discussion. You know, you have to remember that when it comes to manufacturing plants, the local plant of Toyota, it's not competing against the local plant of Ford. That's not their competition. Uh, on that market, the two brands are not comp- the competitors. They're working together. The local plant of Toyota, its competition is all the other Toyota plants around the world. Okay, and when oh wow, how does how does that work? So the way it works is that when headquarters of Toyota, Ford, BMW, you name it, introduces a new model, yeah, they design a new model. No, they go to all their plants around the world, and they say, no, you have to bid against each other. Really, and they have to bid and provide their best possible proposal to manufacture a specific vehicle. So we compete against Brazil, against Thailand, against Turkey, against Romania. That's that's the you know the countries that we compete against. And if as a plant you don't get a vehicle, well, you cease to exist. You know that's simple. Um, so. The local manufacturing plants, they're in the same boat here. So so if that's how it works, it strikes me as automatically cannibalistic. If not, it means that the value chain delineates at some point and local manufacturing plants aren't necessarily owned by the manufacturing headquarter. They they are, but, you know, they they have a global strategy. And and I think that that's clear, you know, for all the plants, uh, certainly, again, in the case of South Africa, you know, we produce for the global market, you know, and and for the more entry level vehicles, they rely a bit more on the domestic market. Yeah, but the iron brands, uh, most of the vehicles exit the country, um, so they those plants have to be able to to be competitive uh, on on a global basis, and that depends, of course, on technology, but also on, on skills and on the degree of support that they get from, from the government. That's that's incredible. I had no idea that's <laughs> how it works. Give me a call, 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032. So it, it, it strikes me then that South Africa would need to become competitive for local manufacturers to start winning manufacturing bids for electric vehicles. Certain uh, value chain support needs to exist here, certain incentive needs to exist here that makes it possible for BMW or Mercedes-Benz or Nissan locally to compete for its electric vehicle models globally. Um, What would make us then a competitive country to be able to Mm -hmm. get those bids to be awarded to the local manufacturers in South Africa? Yeah, exactly. I think you know that's that's the that's the state of the of, of the market, and what we're seeing is that all our competitors are now dishing out very generous incentives to make sure that those manufacturers are going to stay in their country and start shifting their production um, from from ICE to to EVs. Um, so I think in our, in our case, uh, we need to we need to start shifting our, our incentive structure to supporting. Uh, the production of electric vehicles, particularly key components, and here the battery is 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 really where it, it all comes down to. Um, producing lithium-ion batteries 
uh, for the manufacturers is, is critical. Um, and, and that's something that obviously we, we, we do not do at the moment. We do have some manufacturers of lithium-ion batteries, but they're operating on niche markets and, and not, not uh, for automotive manufacturers. And that's, that's something we have to crack very urgently. Um, and then we have to start redirecting the support. Yeah. I think, you know, if, if we can't pro- provide more money, I think we have to say, look, we're going to shift from supporting ICE to supporting EVs, looking at critical components uh, and, and start shifting. We also need to look at supporting, to some extent, a bit of local demand. Yeah. You know, I think that's quite critical. And we need to do that. And there are ways to do that without spending too much money. You know, there are really ways to do that. Uh, and one way, you know, one way, of course, people think about it, oh, well, you must give me a subsidy. You must give me yeah, a yeah, check. Yeah. Uh, that costs money. But there's another way. We must think creatively. What about playing with interest rates? So yeah, yeah. If you yeah. go buy a car today, interest rates probably what, twelve percent, something like this, probably more these days. You'll go and 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 spend buying car. If we could provide interest rates at half of that to someone who buys an EV, that makes the difference. You know, no, um, very easily. So there's a way to to think about it a bit more creatively. So that's quite important. And then there's a third component, which I think is critical as a country. Um, is to start introducing the technology a bit more uh, by rolling it out, notably through public transport, um, through fleets. Okay. Yeah, you know, um, it could be buses, it could be um, for hospitals, it could be for schools. It could be, you know, people need to start getting and seeing the vehicles on the road, seeing the technology, um, seeing um, charging stations, because there's a lot of fears. But but the technology, of course, you know, of course, there's a there's a cost problem. But then there's also, even with those who can afford it, it's like well, you know, the question I always get: uh, you want me to buy a, a, an EV, but there's stage six not shitting. You know, how am I going to yeah. charge my car? You know? Or can I go down to 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 the shops with my car? Or can I go down to to Durban, or Cape Town, or wherever? And um, and those are pre-sealed fears rather than real concerns, but as I always tell uh, my colleagues, uh, it doesn't matter whether the fields are real or perceived. If they are there, they have to be addressed. You know? um, so we have to start putting the vehicles out there, and, and I think we, we can do a lot more there through, through government fleets, through even corporate fleets to do that, so that people see them on the roads uh, and say, well, actually, you know, they're normal vehicles. Um, they can be used. Um, so those three kind of, I think, three legs uh, to to the strategy are important. Yeah. So are we then uh, investing into those sort of things? I mean, you mentioned you started off by mentioning the battery thing, right? We're we're a lithium producing country. I'm sure we mine lithium here. We've got quite a bit of that coming out of our grounds. Uh, why is that not making? Why is that not yet making us a competitive? Uh, 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 giving us the competitive edge. So, we, well, okay, we we don't have too much lithium, but we have neighbors who do, uh, like Zimbabwe, it's got, got a, quite a fair amount of lithium. But we have a lot of other minerals, um, and and like I iron ore. That's that's we have iron ore. We've got manganese. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it. And there's only about ten percent of lithium in a lithium mine battery. Actually, uh, there's ninety percent of other minerals. Um, so so we have a lot of those. Um, but the 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 price 
of a lithium-ion battery, the final price, is, is not very sensitive to the price of minerals. So having the minerals really? in your ground, no, it's very, even if you double or triple the price of a mineral, like manganese, uh, the, the final price of an actual battery would probably just increase by 5%. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it, it's not very, very um, sensitive because the, the, the value is obviously in the refining uh, of those minerals uh, to battery grade, which, which we don't do much. We, mm. do, uh, we do manganese, and we actually uh, very well positioned when it comes to refining manganese. We, we have the only plant uh, in the world outside of China that refines uh, manganese to, to battery grade, for instance. Um, and, and we are refining a couple of other minerals. But effectively, it comes down from obviously increasing that refining capacity. That's really important for us to do that. We have the minerals. We should beneficiate them a lot more. But where it really matters is that partnership with the car manufacturers. They drive the supply chain. They drive the supply chain at the moment and they will continue to drive it going forward. They decide where they buy the batteries from and where the plants are going to be located. So it's really critical that we sit around the table with our seven, soon to be eight uh, manufacturers into the country and say, okay, guys, we want to set up EV manufacturing. If we're serious about it, we need the batteries to be made here. Yeah. So we need to work together to do that at scale um, and strike a partnership to make sure that they buy the batteries. Because at the moment, you know, they are, if, if they're producing EVs in the country, they would literally import the battery you know, uh, uh, into, into South Africa, put it into the vehicle, and then ship the vehicle again. You know, that, just, yeah. that just doesn't make any sense. Um, so there's no an initiative, uh, a couple of initiatives actually to uh, underway to try and build up momentum around around the industry, um, but but it is but it is going very slow and and, and, and we are running out of time. Um, you know when the EU and the UK have made it very clear that they're not going to allow the sales of petrol or diesel cars by 2035. Yeah, um, and actually. If you really look at the fine print, it's pretty much gone by 2030. It's really banned 100% by 2035, but by 2030, by and large, it's gone. It would have fallen out of the market, yeah. It's in in the automotive industry life, it's around the corner. You know, Um, it's one vehicle life cycle at this point. So it gives us very little time to start shifting. And I feel that now we are a bit in this poker game. You know, between government and business, and saying, well, who's going to move first? You know, um, you know, um, government saying, well, you know, business can do it. There's enough support into the system. Why are they not doing it? Business coming and saying, well, no, we need some signal, at least some, you know, some signal that things are going to shift, that we want to to embark on this transition, and and it's about who's going to who's going to fold first, um, but. I'm afraid that uh, in that strategy, you know, we're going to lose as a country. Yeah. So we really need everyone to come together and say, look, uh, let's let's get let's get real. Let's see what we need to do, what we can afford, 
Yeah. yeah. And just, just lastly, to that, is there, and I, I mean, working at TIPS, you probably would know this, is there a white paper on the table anywhere, somewhere before the minister, before the president, before an interministerial committee? Is there a roadmap that government is looking at? Is there any initiative towards that? Yes, yeah, so there is, there, is, uh, there is work being done at the moment. Um, there was a, a green paper published last year uh, by, by the Department of Trade, Industry and, and Competition. There's now been a, a paper published by the automotive industry in terms of what they would like to see. Um, there's been a lot of joint research done, um, actually, by, by TIPS for both the DTIC and NAMPA, which was done collectively. So they have a, a common pool of knowledge. Uh, and there's work underway now uh, and negotiations underway between government and the automotive industry to, to yeah. put forward some, some scheme. There's actually some money, not a huge amount of money, but some money that was put in the, in the latest budget, um, about 250 million rand per year, for the next three years, so about 750 million rand yeah. that was put in the budget but for the support to NEV. But okay. what we're going to do with it has yet to be determined. And that's that's the work that, that's currently underway. Um, minister has announced that um, you know, the strategy must be finalized during this financial year, which ends in March of next year. Um, hopefully, uh, you know, early in that financial year rather than late, but um, but certainly work is on the way to, yeah. to do that and provide clarity okay. to the market. Kayla, thank you so much for your time this evening. I really, really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been incredibly valuable. It is a minute after 11 o'clock. On the other side of this, we do the open line. So give me a call, 86 Mutupi Makalimele has your news.